So we remain standing as we hear these words from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to their own towns to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And so, Lord God, as we reflect now on your word to us, may our hearts be enlivened, and may we know your joy and peace. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to be seated, it's great to see so many folks here tonight. Just the fact that you're here suggests that you want to keep Jesus at the very centre of your Christmas celebrations. And those two readings that we've just had uh, read to us very much keep him at the centre. And I don't want to focus on the familiar one tonight, the one of the, uh, the birth narrative, but that little passage instead from the book of Titus. I was blown away by those few verses which Joe read to us. They're actually all one sentence in the Greek. It sort of, sort of flows off the tongue from Paul as he writes. It's a little letter, Titus. It's tucked away towards the end of the Bible, reputed to be from the Apostle Paul to his friend Titus, written probably about 66 AD, full of instructions for Titus himself and for a fledgling church community. 
two pages out of 14, 1500, but a vitally important message to us as we prepare to celebrate the birth of Jesus. It may have passed you by. It was quite a short passage, so I'm just going to read it again and just encourage you just to dwell on these wonderful words which sum up the message of the gospel, the good news of Christ. It reads like this. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. There is so much in those few verses. We're reminded that the coming to earth of Jesus was and is an expression of God's kindness, his love, his mercy, and his grace. We're reminded that in his life, his death, his resurrection, we can receive his salvation. Peace on earth and mercy mild, we've just sung. God and sinners reconciled. We are put right with God through Jesus, his son. Paul was clear on that. And he wanted to make sure that Titus and those who were around Titus were clear on that as well. We can so easily sanitize the Christmas story and dumb it down into the nativity tableau with little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. But I can guarantee that every year at least someone says to me something like, well, Christmas is really for the children. No. Well, yes, but not just for the children. Steve Turner is a Christian poet, and he wrote uh, this uh, poem entitled, Christmas is Really for the Children. Christmas is really for the children, especially for children who like animals, stables, stars, and babies wrapped in swaddling clothes. Then there are wise men, kings in fine robes, humble shepherds and a hint of rich perfume. Easter is not really for the children, unless accompanied by a cream-filled egg. It has whips, blood, nails, a spear, and allegations of body snatching. It involves politics, God, and the sins of the world. It is not good for people of a nervous disposition. They would do better to think on rabbits, chickens, and the first snowdrop of spring. Or they'd do better to wait for a rerun of Christmas without asking too many questions about what Jesus did when he grew up or whether there's any connection. Well, you may not want whips and nails and spears to invade your festive celebrations, but we're reminded in that that Christmas cannot be separated from Easter. The innocent Jesus in the manger cannot be divorced from the innocent victim on the cross. This infant would carry the weight of the world's sin on his shoulders so that the barrier between us and God would be smashed through. That's what Paul is writing about in his letter to Titus. He says, when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, 
but because of his mercy. There are so many underlying drivers in our society which tell us to work harder, to achieve more, to earn acceptance, to push ourselves forward. We live in a very competitive culture. But the good news is that God requires none of that. He offers us hope, meaning, purpose, best of all, eternal life, not through our efforts, but through one man's death on the cross. This man whose birth we celebrate tonight. That is pretty amazing, don't you think? And Paul speaks in terms of mercy and grace. Mercy has been described as not getting what we do deserve. Our sin, our rebellion, the things we do wrong, deserves punishment from God. And yet he offers us forgiveness and freedom. And then grace is described in terms of getting what we don't deserve. Guess what? Forgiveness and freedom. Three or four years ago, uh, something called the Ice Bucket Challenge was popular all over Facebook. Anyone remember the Ice Bucket Challenge? A few, obviously. Basically, the idea was you had a bucket of uh, ice-cold water poured over your head for charity. And then once you'd participated in that, you could nominate a few friends via social media or some other means to undertake the same challenge. Now, having ice poured over your head is not pleasant. It causes you to tense up, something to be resisted. Some people are like that with the message of the Saviour's love and grace and mercy. But this message we're reminded of tonight, at the heart of our celebrations, is not one to be resisted like the Ice Bucket Challenge. It's one to be embraced. And as we reflect on it together, let's allow the message of the Saviour's love, summed up in those few verses, to wash over us, not like a cold ice bucket, but like a refreshing hot shower. Paul, in this little passage, goes on to remind us that the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. And so, in a sense, he's taking us from Christmas to Easter to Pentecost, all part of one narrative. But if we embrace, brings also the hope and the promise of eternal life. It's for the children, yes, of course, but it's also for each one of us. And as we share communion together later, as we take this time out in the midst of the busyness of life, may this wonderful good news soak into each of us this Christmas time and throughout the year to come. Amen.